Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Prime Subjective, uh, the Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast. Um, today, we will be recapping uh, Star Trek Picard, season two, episodes three and four. Uh, my name is Chris Newcomer. With me, as always, is our wonderful panel. We have Michael Henley. Hello. I made you go first. I never do that. Did you feel like a little surprise <laughs> shocker? There? I, can, I can take it. I can do a spontaneous hello. I'm all right with that. You did well. You did very well. We've got Thank Carrie Coleman-Hinners. Hello. And we've got <laughs> Jay Neum. I'm just a bean looking for a bag. Now, the, the bit is back. <laughs> Well, welcome, everybody. We're going to start off with my favorite segment, um, of course, which is how you doing. So starting with Michael Henley, which once again, I almost never do. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I survived uh, going back to the office uh, hybrid mode last week with where, you know, I was very anxious about it and everything went fine. And not only that, I happened to pick days where really there were only like about three people there I had to kind of worry about bumping into. So and I'm and everything's fine so yes that's been good um yeah everything's great uh everything's uh very very i have nothing to complain about that's i'm good. sure i can come up with something but you know what yeah. i'm gonna let's keep the good vibes going yeah okay <laughs> well how about you jay how are you doing do you have good vibes to keep going from your closet uh, in montreal yeah so i'm in a closet in montreal and there are no secondary meanings to that sentence it's literally <laughs> a closet in montreal um, it's, you know, if you need to record while you're on the go, just set up shop in a closet. Uh, there's usually no vents in there because why wouldn't the vents just be in the main room? Um, you can hang fuzzy clothing, which helps damp sound. You can be in a little enclosed space so outside sounds can't get in. And, um, you can just kind of wallow in your own emotions and it's very soothing. It's also dark, so it's like a sensory <laughs> deprivation tank, yeah. I really like the wallowing in your own emotions part. That rings true for me for the last yeah. time I was in a closet. I, so I needed to throw in some... <laughs> <laughs> Again, no secondary meanings to being in a closet in Montreal. Right, right. Yeah, I, we, we are different closet experiences. We're, this we're is very a clear sing, on that. Single entendre. <laughs> the, the rare, vaunted single entendre. <laughs> well, Carrie Coleman-Hinners... Uh, so you have a little doggy in your lap, I think. Yes, I have a guest. We have a guest uh, podcaster today. This is my dog, Marceline, Marcy for short. She's very ornery because Scott went to the grocery store. And whenever he goes to the grocery store, she runs up and down the house barking. barking, barking. She misses <laughs> she Scott. Not, That's sweet. She does not Aww. like it. So, so she is just annoying me. Uh, she's a little multi-poo, uh, Maltese poodle for those not in the know of the multi-poo world um yeah and is she named for marceline the vampire queen she is yes marceline the vampire queen uh we got her a couple years ago already maybe in 2017 or 16 now i can't remember we adopted her from a a humane society yeah Adopt, don't shop. I guess that's what I'm yeah. doing with my. Also, she's <laughs> she's so cute. Doing? She, she's got one ear that's like a little yeah. askew from the other ear. It's a very at all yeah. times. It's very cute. She's a yeah. Cute little one ear flops down and one ear sticks up. Yeah. Yeah. And she barks. Nice. She barks a lot. Hey, well, I mean, <laughs> not the worst thing in yeah. the world. They're they're well, that's just what dogs do. You know, they're not. A... Yeah. <laughs> they have like they have one sound, and it's for hello, goodbye, warning. Yeah. You know, you're over there and I'm over here. That's another thing she likes to work about. 
a lot of the dogs that I have pet sat for, they're barking because their our activity levels don't match up. They're like, we would love to be playing with you. Why are you not throwing a ball to me? Why are we not outside walking? And I'm like, I would like to lie on this couch for four hours and watch about four episodes of something. It doesn't really matter what. And the dogs don't seem to really square with that because um, they're not as into Star Trek or Yellow yeah. Jackets or whatever I happen to be watching. As you gotta I, match up. You gotta match up your yeah. sleep schedules with your dogs. I that's why dogs. I sleep. <laughs> that's why I sleep for eighteen hours a day. <laughs> oh God. no! Love that. That's incredible. Oh my God. Jealous. Sounds and also, amazing. are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, back, to, back to the task at hand, we are here to talk <laughs> a little bit about, or a lot about, only about uh, Star Trek and Star Trek Picard uh, epi- uh, episodes three and four from season two. Before we do, we don't have any Trek in the news, but I thought we'd talk about the fact that uh, these uh, two episodes were directed by none other than Leah Thompson, yes. famed actress um, of the time travel, travel genre herself yeah. from the Back to the Future movies. Oh, and sci-fi from, course, royalty for you. And from Caroline in the City. You can say Caroline in the City. Caroline in the City, yes. <laughs> Caroline uh, in the City herself. How could that we famous forget? sci-fi television program, Caroline in the City. Uh, yeah, I, I take it that that's not a sci-fi program. It, it no. is. <laughs> Yeah. It, it is um it is a sitcom that they gave her in the 90s that was kind yeah. of uh kind of a friends clone kind of yeah didn't she play a cartoonist wasn't that i kind of like it yep. it yeah. was sci-fi in that she could afford that apartment yes. on her cartoonist uh, salary that that's fantasy not sci-fi yeah. <laughs> also wasn't her friend wasn't wasn't the guy that the would she won't she wasn't wasn't it um jeremy piven do i have that wrong do i have that wrong? was it no, Ooh. I don't think it was Jeremy. Okay. No, he was on some okay. sitcom in the 90s. Before he was he... on Ellen. Oh, that's what it was. He was on Ellen. He was on Ellen. Okay. Guys, everybody knows Jeremy Piven was on Ellen. <laughs> everybody knows that. His big break, <laughs> Ellen. But I thought, I mean, I've, I've, we're going to talk more about it, obviously. I enjoyed both of these episodes. I thought she did a great job. Yeah. And certainly mm-hmm. the amount of callbacks, I mean, it's just like nerd heaven. Wow. Uh, they've yeah. really given us so many things to pull from and be happy for. Mm-hmm. Um. So I thought she really did a nice, great job uh, bringing those things to the forefront. Um, and I'll just mention, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, but the correlation between uh, my favorite Star Trek time travel movie, um, Star of Trek course. For the Voyage Home. Uh, so many, amazing. So many. Not Love only, just, it. Just for the sheer fact that they're doing the slingshot around the sun. I mean, which Such is... a good, <laughs> such a good one. Yeah. Such a good way to go. Yeah. yeah. So she's also a really big Star Trek fan. I was watching uh, her interview with... Uh, uh, Will Wheaton on his um, ready room. And she's a huge Star Trek fan. And I love that because like, I can tell I watch when I, after I realized she was the director and I watched that interview and this, these shows were definitely created by people who love Star Trek. Like yeah. you could tell like the love, the, the, the love of it. She's directed a lot. She's directed a lot. She's been like in the business since she was a child, but she's directed a lot. We just didn't know about it. She was directing Resident Alien, um, Stargirl, The Goldbergs, a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> We're back to The Goldbergs again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to The Goldbergs. <laughs> I well, don't think she know. directed the infamous episode that made news <laughs> yeah. a couple weeks yeah. ago. The Uncanny yeah. Valley episode. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. That's funny. <laughs> 
Well, why don't I? So. Why don't we dive into these episodes? I'll do a little descriptione, and we'll um, mm-hmm. and I'll I will I will nod when we're ready for some commentary, and and we can go from there. How's that sound, everybody? Good. We'll we'll let you yes. know when we're ready for commentary. Oh, wonderful! I'm. I, do I still have the power to mute? Oh, I never did. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> Well, so we open back up into this conflict um, aboard Rios' ship because after managing to overpower the first magistrate and his gunman um, um, and get back on course, um, the crew, because they have to fight them off, obviously, they've been sort of caught in this little uh, quagmire from a boarding party of Confederation authorities. But they do overpower them. Then Rafi takes the grievously wounded Elnor to the sick bay as Rios goes back to evading the Confederation starships pursuing them. Uh, the more serious Q still has time to taunt Picard over he and his friends constantly using violence to win out while Rios and Seven destroy one of the starships chasing them. Um, in the confusion, the Queen is freed of her restraints, which was terrifying, by the way, and quickly mm-hmm. takes control of the ship, uh, destroying the remaining Confederation ships before calculating the proper trajectory to sh- slingshot around the sun and travel back in time to the year 2024. Um, and with the ship's systems damaged by the time-bending commute, Picard manages to crash land to the ship just outside of Los Angeles to avoid detection by the locals. Um, I don't think it's just outside Los Angeles. I think they crash land. He says home, and we don't, but I think they beam. I'm reading this from a, di- a different. Um, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. home is we, a, we later a Chateau We later learn yeah. home is yeah, Chateau yeah, Picard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Though he prevents Rios from executing the queen, Elnor succumbs to his injuries in sickbay leading Rafi and the crew to mourn his passing while, gi- while giving them an additional incentive. Oh, that was, that was a dog. That? <laughs> that was My dog, I keep chasing her out. She's like <laughs> coughing and licking the carpet. She's like, <laughs> lick, lick, lick. And I'm like, she has opinions she wants to share. She was disgusted by this episode. <laughs> so leading Rafi and the crew to mourn his passing while giving them an additional incentive to undo Q's tampering. Both Seven and Rafi are incensed that Picard has spared the queen, Though Picard shares that she mentioned a being known as the Watcher uh, is the key to restoring the timeline, and the Watcher exists in Los Angeles in this time period. Rafi, Seven, and Rios set out to find the Watcher, while Picard and Gerardi remain behind on the ship to interrogate the Queen further, hoping to learn more about the altered space-time continuum. Um, um, to say they set out is a bit neutral. I feel like Rafi is sort of... Um, pulling a book and is just sort of doing things out of grief and yep. then yep. the other people yep. kind of go as like a oh, I'll make sure things don't go too wrong because she's going so this is happening yep. now mm-hmm. right and I think I think if you've watched if people hopefully people have watched the first season of Picard where you can see um, Rafi has a lot of issues uh, being yeah. a mother who was not there for her son mm-hmm. originally mm-hmm. so yeah. I think this is yeah. so they're certainly calling back yeah. to that yeah, I, yeah. I, I was definitely like, wow, she's really overdoing this so for a yeah. moment. I was like, I she's a little dramatic. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. I thought about like the history of that character and how they set her up about mm-hmm. um, having a lot of regrets and her son basically yeah. disowning her yeah. um, and how she sort of adopted him. So I, I was like, okay, I get it. But still pretty intense. Yeah. It was intense. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she challenges Picard's leadership. Sort of with like no real cause, like unless they're really, really horribly miscasting the Q story in the in the in the universe itself when they tell it to cadets, because she blames Picard for like playing games with Q. Yeah, Um, and we talked about this last time we were talking about Picard. It was like Raffi should know about Q. We they should all know about the Q continuum. Yeah, and there's no push push and pull with Q. There's no like. 
you know, like th- this, this is not an equal playing field, like Q versus right. the card. Q just kind of right. does what he wants, but the card has to react. So yeah, that's kind of an unfair reading. I think, I, I think it's just irrational grief. I guess I'm just talking it up to, but it, it, it does. She does lay it on a little bit thick for something that just kind of feels kind of irrational. And it yeah. seems like everyone else knows in the scene that she's being very unreasonable, which is like, okay, yeah, yeah it's fair. You're going yeah. through grief. Yeah, you're, you're, you know you're what grief. it might be? It might be her reaction was so much more intense compared to the others. If yeah. everybody else uh, bumped up their intensity level a little bit because he just died in front of you, everybody right. could have that. Um, but but I, did, I did like the... Um, be, uh, Picard being the captain and being professional starship captain, you've got to make the tough choices. Like he made a tough choice right. in the moment, and that's mm-hmm. what it was. And it's unpopular, but it uh, happened. I mean, it's the right one. Yeah, yeah. it was the right. And call. I think yeah. I think also in these time travel scenarios, it does come to the thing where like maybe some of them already have in their mind that things will reset or they'll be able to reclaim. Uh, uh, bring him, bring Elnor back. You know, yeah. if they mm-hmm. they manage to 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 fix it on up, the Picard especially but, is like, well, I've done this like eighteen times. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we've I mean, always I mean, got it back I, to normal. Yeah, yeah. We should we should say for people who haven't watched the episode that um when they time travel, they exit the they exit the temporal gate. I don't know, it doesn't have a name, but they're hurtling towards Earth and they have enough power to either like keep the board queen like sort of alive a little bit or power mm-hmm. Eleanor's biobed and Picard opts to keep the board queen alive and Eleanor dies as a result. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. A very good a very good oh. uh, thing to point out. And which is why oh. they're they're so mad that they've kept the board queen alive even though she's yeah. the only one who could get them there and uh, get them back. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think the board queen crawling on the floor was such a cool scene towards uh, Gerardi. Yeah. And then yeah. she, they did this like Doc Ock thing where she pulled herself up <laughs> like the Spider-Man uh, thing, which I thought was really cool. She's like so obsessed with Gerardi. They're going well, to get love, together. I love their dynamic. They're going to get together. Mark my words. Those two are hooking up. They have a, they have a really good dynamic. And I, I thought something that these two episodes did especially was it kind of made the Borg creepy again. And, you know, like, which is something I really haven't felt for like the longest time, even since like midway through Voyager, I guess, where they stopped being creepy and just kind of became like the threat that we're always going to have on our backs kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought this, yeah, I, I thought they did a really good job of kind of, you know, Kind of playing with what we know about him, and not only that, she has a moment later between her and Agnes that I thought was definitely creepy. So I really oh, yeah. appreciated that. I learned uh, this is a little off topic, but I don't. There's not a good way. There's not a good time to bring it up. But I learned that uh, the character that played uh, Seven's husband, the magistrate, is Issa Briones's father. Did you guys know that? Oh, okay. Anyway, just a little thing I thought yeah, was interesting. Who's Sabriones? Um, who's, who's that? He's Sabriones is um, Goji. Hosoji. Goji. Goji Berry. Oh, Soji. Soji. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't oh, realize yeah. that. Oh. Yeah. Goji Berry. That's oh, how, I, that's oh, how that's I remember fabulous. names in my head. I remember something that sounds... That sounds like... <laughs> it's kind of neat. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. It's all in the family yeah. then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How nice all that nepotism at work. We love that. Sure. We uh, love <laughs> he did a good job, I thought. He did, he did a, really a great good job. He did a great job. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, the whole like beta beta male vibe of it all, which I kind of, I thought that was yes. great. The very that was sort so of, fun. Very <laughs> uh-huh. matrix Beta vibe. male. Uh-huh. I love the beta male vibe. I do. I do. I was like, yeah. he's watched her have sex with other people for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Whatever you say, dear. I just wanted one scene of Seven looking through her alternate selves, like hard drives of like saved videos. Like this is filthy. <laughs> or her like dominatrix closet. That's really yes. what I was yes. like the yes. full, you know, that's really what I was. Yeah. But once again, then we would be sexualizing Jerry Ryan probably in a way that she's like, I'm not doing that again. Sure, you're not doing yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know. Or just like yeah. she opens a yeah, door and there's that. like a harem of non-human species. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh boy, closes the door, walks yeah. away. <laughs> We're all saying this, but this fan fiction probably already has been written since yeah. episode two. Oh, you know, yeah. that's, that's probably fiction. already animated. <laughs> yeah, it's already over on nifty.org or whatever. Yeah. Whatever that might be. I have no idea what that could be. So anyway, I'll continue with the... Uh, I don't know what that is, actually. <laughs> it's on uh, jpeg.mp4.com. <laughs> yeah. Nifty.org is just a place where people write fan fiction of all kinds. It, it is probably of the adult variety. Oh, okay. If you're ever, you know, interested okay. to read that. I knew about well, AO3, we, but I'm I didn't sorry know about I brought that. up this okay. thing about, I'm sorry I brought up this uh, little tidbit because we really went to a place. Well, I mean, I'm hey, grateful you brought well, up this tidbit because we really went to a place. I mean, I'm just in a closet in Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> Anyway. Single entendre. Let me yeah. talk about, I'll, I'm going to keep reading through this episode. Since we're doing two episodes, I'm going to keep keep the thing pumping yeah. along. But yeah. we can talk about all of it as we go through, obviously. So to communicate directly with and repair the queen, Gerardi decides to allow the Borg to partially assimilate her. Um, feeling that the queen's weakened state and Picard observing her are safeguards enough to prevent this risky process from becoming permanent. Um, the queen quickly begins probing Gerardi's mind, with Picard guiding his friend through the process uh, on how to resist. As the struggle for Gerardi becomes more pronounced, Picard pulls the plug to sever the Borg's influence over her. Unfortunately, the Queen is fully revived by the process and demands control of the ship. Um, and elsewhere, the landing party beams to separate locations around Los Angeles, with Rios teleporting on the edge of a fire escape and face planting on the sidewalk below. Look, really looked like it hurt. Um, he is eventually picked up by paramedics and taken to the nearest clinic. Uh, Raffi is accosted by a mugger, whom she immediately and easily subdues before she reconnects with Seven and sets out to reach the tallest point in the city in order to pinpoint the Watcher's location. Uh, Rios recovers with the help of a kindly young doctor named Teresa, um, only for the clinic to be raided by the authorities over suspicions regarding immigration, resulting in Rios and Teresa both being taken into custody. Um, so yeah, they really, they, they are packing a lot into these episodes. A lot's going on. Um, yeah. Uh, but I do think that first, just to think about that first scene, um, Gerardi and the queen, that was, I mean, as I said, that dynamic is so fascinating and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it certainly seems like the queen is now really very fascinated with Agnes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, that whole interaction with her hooked up to the queen and Picard monitoring her. And I was always on the fence about Gerardi and and uh, the actress. You know, I didn't have a firm like opinion, but I think this scene sort of pushed me over the edge to really being liking her a little bit more because mm -hmm. I, I just thought it was a really cool scene. Again, I guess this is Leah Thompson's influence, like in this really sort of big cinematic thing. You had this sort of theatrical, you know. Um, two-person scene <laughs> if you're mm -hmm. like studying improv too like you put yourself in these really weird environments but it's about you know the the relationship and and the people so i, I like that scene a lot <clears throat> yeah you can also they've set up a really interesting 
conflict where it's clear that the Borg Queen does think Jurati is special in some way, but it also could just be that the Borg Queen thinks Jurati is the most susceptible to yeah. manipulation. Yes. Yes. Um, mm. But also maybe that's what the Borg Queen finds special about Jurati. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there is some sort of genuine admiration, appreciation. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost very... like she pinpointed her as as the weakest link. And uh, this is the person I can have the most influence over. And she's toying with her in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that line that she said, you've impressed me. You've done something more dangerous than you could possibly know and right. more difficult well, i thought yeah. it was cheesy but also well yeah. acted i yes. i'm like just the line written down on a piece of paper is kind of like cringy like ugh. Mm-hmm. but the way it came across was pretty cool <clears throat> i'm cool with cheesy if it's well acted um yeah, i agree yeah. and, <clears throat> and 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 you mentioned kind of iding her as the weakest link but yeah and, and yes but also like the reason she says that uh you know of, of course is because of the fact that she actually does for a moment, pull something over on the on the queen, which I thought was a really which 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 I, I thought was an interesting move, honestly. So, yeah, no, I like that a lot, and I think I, there's a there's a very easy way to kind of have this done wrong, basically, where someone you know kind of crosses overacting, like kind of switching between personalities and things like that, basically. And I thought they did a really good job of keeping everything intimate and plausible and i think i thought i thought allison pill did a great job i thought um pat stew did a great job um i'm calling him pat stew now I hope yeah sure yeah, yeah um, we know and uh <laughs> well sir pat stew is one of his social media i think that is his social yeah that's his social handle. media handle. yes sir yes. pat stew um and uh and annie Wershing, who plays the uh, board queen actually i'm really in, i'm really enjoying she's her performance so well. everybody's cool. great yeah yeah, yeah she's, she's yeah. so cool I also really love the line, halfway to hell is still not a recommended destination. thought that line was really yeah. cool. And the relationship between Gerardi and Picard was also... I, I, yeah. I love that they found a way for, for Agnes to just kind of say how she feels, but without mm-hmm. it feeling like mm-hmm. condescending to us or, or patronizing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah. Like, Agnes suddenly turns to Picard and goes, you know, like... I've always kind of viewed you as a father figure, like eye to eye roll, but it was like, it was, it was fun. And it was in a fun way where like all these yeah. things are being pulled out of her as she's struggling to keep her hold on herself while connected mm-hmm. to a supercomputer queen. The, the only thing I don't like is how she calls him Mr. Like that's her little nickname for him. Only because it makes her sound so like childlike, like a little orphan paper boy. Like, oh, Mr. <laughs> you want a paper? Thanks, well, Mr. She, like. Well, she, she does view him as a she does view him as a father figure so yeah that's cute mister what you doing mister hey mister when i think she really is one of those characters who is meant to give us that current era vibe look into the world we've talked about this before but that's i think and in that sort of way of speaking to him is like hey buddy how you doing sort of that you know (laughs) hey mister get your paper 25 cents on the corner are you doing the newsies thing hey got some papers to move moving some papers yeah yeah we're doing some paper newsies stuff uh, it's funny. This is gonna sound like a tangent, but I promise it's not. Not really. Um, the, um, I don't know if you guys have like uh, Pluto TV, which is like a network. It's like free. It's like on Roku or whatnot. Yeah. And um, they play Star Trek uh, TNG a lot, but specifically they play seasons one through four, and then that's it, just over and over and over again, <laughs> which is kind of annoying. But also, every yeah. once in a while, I pop in and I'm just like, oh, this is a good episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was watching um, the first episode that introduces Reg Barkley, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <laughs> and my girlfriend one? was there. Uh, yeah, the holodeck one. And my so girlfriend great. was there. 
And we were talking about like, just, and you know, because he's so different than the other, you know, characters on yeah. the show, you know, and, and we kind of, we were talking about, well, like that's very, very, you know, it's, it's very, very intentionally kind of a shout out to the idea of like, well, where would I, the viewer, if I happened, if I like all of a sudden quantum leaped onto the Starship Enterprise, you know, and had to like, like, who would I be? Would I be like the guy who really has his shit together? Or would I be the guy who was like, anxious who doesn't feel like he fits in all that kind of stuff and it's definitely a bone yeah we're under that um which i think is really cool but it also mm -hmm. it, it really but you know and, and i see agnes as like an extension of that but like agnes a little bit is more, a, a broccoli yeah. agnes is a broccoli oh yeah 100%, sure. yeah 100%, sure. yeah just just with like a, maybe a little bit more character flaws and a little bit more messed up but still like the one who represents the viewer who's either going i don't know if how i would yeah. fit in on this ship or at the very least going like wait we're doing what now is that a good idea i don't know yeah. um so i that just makes me appreciate it more we've talked oh. about characters on star trek like this we've talked about the concept of like low self-esteem and mm -hmm. and being anxious and not feeling comfortable in social situations and i think she does fill that role on this show mm -hmm. um and i think that's how she was able to be um, pointed out as uh, as a weakness yeah. from the queen, like that was her. That was the queen's avenue in the loneliness and the you know self esteem issues that she has. We're, we're going to touch on her a little bit more too when we finish sort of the um, description of this episode. But I do want to talk about um, Rios ending up at this hospital and then getting raided and ice coming. Mm. How, do, how do we feel about this storyline? Uh... Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I really was after I watched episode three. I felt a big, uh, big. I felt a big wave of trepidation wash over me. Where I was like, "Oh boy, I don't want to see how this show handles ice." Like, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um, in all the other like time travel episodes, I feel like they do a pretty. They do a they do so, like a thing of either like using some part of of bureaucracy or administration that's like so far removed that like they can do what they want with it like in little green men in deep space nine where this is some like yeah. army headquarters during like world war ii uh, yeah. or sorry during the cold war um or like in in deep space nine when they go to um the bell riots episode where cisco has to has to play the part of like this revolutionary who changes the timeline um they like have sanctuary cities which are like believable but also not exactly real um, well that's where they take well that's where they take him in the next episode to one of those sanctuary cities because they're in the same year of the bell riots the same I, time frame of the bell riots i i think he's I just in an right? institution it's just, uh, yeah I I detention center yeah i took yeah. the name sanctuary city to be more of like a nod but it wasn't like this is the same thing um hmm. i was thinking it was similar enough for me similar enough for me that they had mentioned previously on time travel episodes how bad society was getting and i thought it was interesting that they decided to not exaggerate it too much from what's already going on today they don't have right. to like pretend things are happening in the world that are not because and i, I like i liked that part of it they, um, the episodes, okay, so last week I last week I gave you homework, so I'm going to give you some more homework. Not you, not you, boys, uh, the listeners, our listeners. Once again, feel free to ignore the, the homework. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to ignore 
free to ignore the homework, but your homework is a, a Deep Space Nine past tense one and two. That was the episode that Jay was just speaking about. And also, of course, the Voyage Home uh, movie, the fourth movie. And you're going to also want to watch the Futures End part one and two of uh, Voyager. This is so much homework. Do you have a cool wait, 10 wait, hours Jay, to I, spare this week? <laughs> Jay, I, I, a, I was curious about something you said, actually, because only eight, you, only eight hours. I have a question, but <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, go, Mike. No, well, no, I mean, you mentioned kind of being very trepidatious about this, about the kind of the yeah. introduction of yeah. ice. And I, I, you know, I wanted you to expand on that. Yeah, because like you're not they're not going to have time to actually like talk about the the what's the word I'm looking for this like organization and the people who work within ice and how it works right so they're just like introducing it to bash it which is fair for my political views my, my political leanings but like I don't know it sort of it sort of felt like virtue it's a little signaling. ham-handed in the broad yeah. strokes it just felt um, like virtue signaling and it's like I I agree with you but also like I don't think that's good for it, tv it, it, <laughs> It feels like, uh, you know, and I want to be clear, basically, because I'm, I'm definitely sympathetic to the viewpoint that, you know, ice is bad, basically, you know, like, yeah, so, too. but it feels I, very I much. share that viewpoint. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think too. we all do. Um, but we, uh, it feels very much like a fall down the plate, where it's a sense of basically just like, okay, ice is bad, basically. What's the point of this plot so far? That ice is bad. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, right. fair, and, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel like. And also, like, a yeah. lot of the cop commentary is very heavy Yeah, I was going to mention that. Very heavy The guy calling all the... Yeah, I will see the next yeah. episode where and he calls all the all the people who are detained Juan. It's really... It's, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in past, like, in past tense for comparison, like, there's a lady who works in the sanctuary cities, like, processing people. She's in the sanctuary center. And she's a main character of those episodes. And she's yeah. a big part of how they managed to reach the broader public and tell people how mm -hmm. awful it is in sanctuary cities there's not going to be anything like that in picard it doesn't have time for it so right Ooh, that's i mean well that's a you know and not only that but past tense i remember those episodes really i've got it i should rewatch those episodes i love Carry it right tense. absolutely homework definitely yeah um, do your homework but, like, Come on. <laughs> but the two um the two um whatchamacallit the two but the, the two uh agents basically who pick up um, who pick up Cisco and Bashir basically and throw them into the district. They're presented as not inherently bad people. They're presented as cogs of a unfortunate and bad machine, System, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. but they're not, you know, they, they, it gives them the credit to see them as basically people who have kind of given up caring, which is just as destructive as being a bad person, but it's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's lazy to depict it to depict the system as like look at these over the top evil people because the real like danger of the system isn't just that it like attracts bad people but that it takes right. good people and molds them to not care. Yeah. Right. And you just kind of overshadow that when you have like oh that guy's face looks like a Ferengi which is what Rios says about one of the agents. It's like yeah, all right, right that's like a cute like thing I guess but also that's not what that doesn't help us view real life in any more meaningful way. I I only dis I agree with everything you're saying except the part that I disagree with is I don't think they were portrayed that evilly. I felt it was believable. <laughs> I really do. As I was I didn't I didn't think that it was over the top bad. I think that it was plausibly plausibly evil. bad. Sure. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree bad. with that. I don't disagree yeah. with that mm -hmm. either. Like I yeah. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't deny that. But like there are also yeah. Like they're that's not the interesting part of ICE to examine is like the people who like 
were bullies and then joined because it's a sanctioned way to, to bully right, people. Right. That's not the interesting part or the part that's instructive, really. Yeah, it's we want to see the systemic the parts yeah. of and where they come yeah. from and, and who they're tied yeah. to and what. And like the people who mm. would ordinarily try to stop those people, but then are molded to not care yeah. by the organization. Mm-hmm. Sort yeah, of like he did make that one comment that was like, "You put on this uniform and you think you just do whatever you want," like that sort of yeah. comment. Yep. <clears throat> now we're hopping. We are hop, we're talking more about the next episode. So let me just finish this last episode and then we'll oh, sure. hop into that one. That way we can just. Oh. Keep the train there was moving. one thing. There was one thing I wanted to mention. I really liked that California Dreamin' cover and that moment when they beamed down onto the planet. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah. I liked a lot. It, it took a few seconds for me to adjust to it. It felt like a big tonal departure, and then I kind of <laughs> grew into it. I mean, you kind of have to do a tonal departure when you travel um, many hundreds of years back into the past. I kind of well, know. I just really it's... like that juxtaposition of them coming down and having that sort of, you know, electronic DJ it's... music. Music and it's, really yeah. kind of like feeling a little bit out of place. It suddenly mm-hmm. felt like I was in a designer handbag commercial. Well, and then their California <laughs> dream is to save the future, which is, you know, a, a lovely yeah. thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's why I liked it because it felt out of place. But also, I think they were all, they're also out of place. So I think it right. had that feel that got that feeling across. You, you I give also... a lot of credit to the shows you watch, Carrie. <laughs> Well, specifically, we didn't talk about all the other shows that I watched. Yeah, and once again, I got to finish this We're episode. We're only talking about we dive in. Well, well, the way which real, real quick, can I get a you know because um I really loved the moment where and 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 maybe I'm just cornball and I like I really liked the moment where Seven beamed down and the little girls just said, "Are you a superhero?" and she winked at it because I thought that was yep. adorable. Yeah, was that was very cute. Yeah. I, I love the idea of we got to protect the timeline and seven's like, yeah, okay, but we can have like a little timeline, you know, to, like mess. With and it, also once is. seeing the growth of her is something seven would not have done yes. Uh, yes. as her Voyager person, but who she is as a um, Fenris yeah. Ranger, she, she does. So yeah, yeah. I love she that. She loves people. She loves people not being afraid of her is something she's discovered <laughs> yeah. here. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, with the rest of the landing party and crew unaware of what's happening to Rios and unable to contact him, Jurati reveals uh, she obtained the coordinates from the Watcher's location, uh, but she's still determined to gain more from the Queen's consciousness. For, the, for her part, the Queen is annoyed at how impressed she is by Jurati being able to withstand uh, interfacing with her mind and gleaning so much information. And Picard, while Picard and his friends scramble to track down the Watcher, the worsening situation with Rios officially adds a rescue mission element to, the tri- to their time travel adventure. And that's the first episode which we pretty much covered. Did, did y'all um, see Annoyed in the Borg Queen? I no, I, yeah, I didn't see Annoyed. I think she was um, mm-hmm. fascinated mm-hmm. and a little bit... Um, I think she also, as we mentioned earlier, she sees a point of entry to, to like the smartest person on the team who's going to yeah. help her you know, get what she needs, too. She's she's slightly annoyed because she, she, she's about to launch into a villain speech before Agnes basically just says, oh, you didn't notice that I did this, right? And then she kind of has to tear it up, yeah. basically. But, mm-hmm. yeah, she is definitely, it's subsumed by how intrigued she is by Agnes. Yeah. Well, as just jumping right in because we want to keep things rolling along. As Picard and Girardi try to receive updates from the landing party, they decide to exit La Serena, which is revealed to have crashed at the Picard family vineyard, which has been <laughs> abandoned at this point in history. Uh, Picard ex- explains that the family fled the vineyard to seek shelter in England for generations, explains the accent, as France was occupied during World War II. Uh, before recalling a childhood memory of his mother comforting him with Edith Piaf's music, uh, Non, je, je ne regrette rien. Oh, I'm not saying that right, but you 
can look it up. Uh, Gerardi begins to uh, display subconscious behavior traits, uh, with Picard deducing they're driven by Gerardi's connection to the Borg Queen. Uh, and they provides a clue that they only have three days until Q's changes to the timeline are made. Um, mm. How do we like seeing uh, uh, Chateau Picard in shambles of centuries of disuse? I think I have questions about why it's i mean i mean they they explain it kind of but i mean i i i it felt more just kind of convenient more than anything else for why it's abandoned at this point i think i, I was just kind of you know it, it yeah. feels like it felt odd to me but i like that they it. were in a cool i liked yeah i'm willing to accept it i like that they were in a cool abandoned building I'm like okay sure there's an abandoned mansion in france in 2024 with right. like and mm -hmm. you know, unopened bottles of wine and mm -hmm. you know, vintage furniture mm -hmm. lying around. Resources sure. that can be grabbed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure, Picard. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Was... We'll go, we'll move forward. <laughs> I was expecting them to introduce some like lovable rascal character who's been camping out there and that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> or like a like, like a scruffy caretaker yeah. or something. Yeah, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I like Gerardi's reference to Dixon Hill. She's like, all right, mm -hmm. Dixon Hill. Yeah, that was uh, that was um, uh, Picard's favorite holodeck um, uh, story to play. Yeah, <laughs> play out. I love how much mileage they're getting out of that one reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like that. I, I like that too I like because, it. like, yeah, it, especially because like it's established very early in Next Generation that Picard's a fan of Dixon Hill. The you know, and the holodeck programs are based on like it's a whole long like series of books. So it's basically pop culture within this universe, you know. And mm -hmm. I love the idea that it's obscure to a lot of people, but Agnes is basically just like, yeah, I dig mysteries. I get it, Dixon Hill. Like I can just drop that <laughs> reference. I think that's awesome. I think it's really neat. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I want them to like. Um, yeah, it'd be fun if they. Um, geeked out about some game that we have currently, you know, if like Picard and Gerardi were like, I love Stardew Valley or something along those lines. I think it would be a fun. Well, they did. I, in, in episode three, not to double back, but in episode three, there is like a Rick and Morty reference actually, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. She did say Rick yeah. and Morty. Yeah. 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 Finish your homework. Or you can't watch Rick and Morty. Number one, and let's also, get on the yeah. computer. We must yeah. play some Fortnite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking How of that little King's boy. Quest end. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that little boy, I really like the way he said, find those keepers. It's find those keepers. <laughs> it was really cute. Oh, yeah, it was very cute. Yeah. Um, Picard travels to Los Angeles based on coordinates to the Watcher, where he reunites with Guinan at her bar, the 10 forward, uh, finding the younger version of the character from this timeline, doesn't recognize him while she's closing up shop. Uh, Guinan immediately becomes defensive when Picard refers to her as an Elorian, though he manages to talk her down after he mentions he's searching for a watcher. Um, and also, um, oh yeah, Guinan reveals she's leaving because humanity has doomed itself by turning against itself, but hears out Picard as he repeats what her future self told him, triggering a temporal sickness unique to Elorians. Um, I thought this scene was pretty fascinating and, you know, Picard yeah. trying to work every angle. Um, yeah. Um, if, if Whoopi, what I, yeah, I've, questions about Elorian's aging because we meet so okay I have some questions but, but primarily because of that next generation episode times arrow where they go back in time yeah like 300 years or 600 years or something yeah. and they're that like hanging down out with, as my next homework assignment to give yeah, you know, times uh, arrow more, more yeah. homework they're, they're more giving homework. 
Yeah, Picard meets Guinan and Mark Twain, which is right. Fun. Yeah. But Guinan has met Picard already. Uh, mm, no? mm, yes, yes, in that episode. But I thought about this and then I thought, well, I guess you have to give a lot of leeway to how time travel works because Guinan meets Picard in that episode because uh, Data's head pops up and it becomes this causality loop of, um, right. you know, and they go back to the past basically, but now we're in what's going to be an alternate, alternate timeline, timeline where there is no Starfleet. So that didn't happen. Right. So therefore okay. Picard did not meet Guinan in the past, right? Yeah. Wait, I thought that yeah. I've, oh, oh, okay. Time travel. Yeah, the, 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 yeah I know, I know. About. Like the divergent point, yes, is in the future, but because the causality of after that future yeah. thing where they went back, <laughs> now they didn't go back. So therefore, yeah, it's. Yeah. Well, there was that one moment where he finally said his name to her and she stopped. And yeah. she was like, and I was like, okay, there's, you could read a lot into this. Like, what is she, what is she thinking? What does she know about that name? How is that, you know, relevant to her? Who did she when, hear that from? Does she right. remember him? You know, so you yeah, could read a lot she, into that. If she doesn't remember him from the past, then mm. she knows about him from some other way. Well, it sounds like she knows about him because he's on some list of people that are watched by watchers that are, you know, are whose destiny is protected. Right? I, 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 I glean that correct? I Maybe. I, I have a lot of questions yeah. about what well, questions that I'm supposed enough. to have. Yeah. Me too. Why does she yeah. have, why does she have, uh, but okay, even if there is a list, why does why does the list have people who? Why does she know about people who aren't born yet on the list? Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I feel like though that is keeping in spirit with uh, the character of Guinan because I feel like on Next Gen, every time we learned something new about her, we were just it was just a real kind of like that just raises more questions kind of thing. So, right. I thought yeah. that also was great casting for uh, yeah, Guinan. Yeah, she was wonderful. Yeah. I, I really liked her. I think she was her, really yeah. great. I think she did a great job without being an impression of Whoopi Goldberg, but yeah. being enough, bringing enough of what Whoopi Goldberg, because Whoopi Goldberg obviously created the character. Right. So being enough of her without being a caricature of her, I thought she did a really good job. I, mm -hmm. I found them radically different, personally. And I appreciated that as like yeah, a, in a way yeah. that was Guinan okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, like, yeah. Often yeah. see Guinan fed up like yeah. ever. Right. Yeah, because we're at a point in time where she's like done. She's done. She's like I'm leaving. Yeah. If, is she leaving the planet? She's she left her dog. You take care of this dog. I'm leaving. Yeah. So yeah, and, yeah. and it's sometimes sometimes really you know I I know I went on a rant a couple of weeks ago basically about uh you know de-aging actors which they did not yeah I've been meaning here. to talk to you about that rant I really was <laughs> I disappointed uh, <laughs> so, uh, um yeah. but the other thing is too is like sometimes when you recast an actor like sometimes it, it sometimes bothers me when an actor is very very conscious of like the footsteps they're walking in and so like they give this the very kind of overly controlled performance because you can imagine an actor going into this and just be like i have to act as much like whoopi goldberg as guinan as possible and i appreciate that they did not give her that note and that she did not do that you know because yeah. they kind of she kind of made it her her own in a way that i found like very plausible and really compelling you know Mm -hmm. I, I read all, I, I, I listened to her an interview with her also in the ready room. If you're not watching the ready room after Picard, you're missing a lot of really cool stuff because <laughs> she homework. gave an interview, yeah. more homework for you. This is what I'm here for. I decided that this was going to be my job. So get so, ready. I love it. So Carrie sleeps 18 hours a day and watches Star Trek for the other. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> and now you know what my life is all about. So, um, no, but the, uh, the actress, she, um, 
didn't know she was reading for the role of Guinan when she was reading for the role. So, so uh, she was compelled to the role for different reasons. Like she liked Interesting. the, um, the, the idea she of saw. her, yeah. you know, the breakdown that she saw, how she was so affected by society and, and, and how she was fed up with it and leaving and, and I do love that as a, as a Guinan personal plot yeah. point you know you know yeah. the reason I'm leaving earth is because things are not getting better and mm -hmm. you know yeah. these people are not trying to help themselves and I'm just getting the hell out of here because I don't I can't I can't bear witness to this um, yeah. certainly it's possible to me she's been there for like hundreds of years though right so like yeah. what is it that now is is causing her to feel like she's reached a point of no return. I would say maybe it seemed like things were getting better for a long time, and now it seems like things are just on a yeah. different path. Okay. Sound familiar? <laughs> maybe. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I that, That's kind of how I took it. I mean, obviously, could be uh, other I, things. I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I think th this season so far, I think, is a, definitely a very honking unsubtle you know kind of a you know yeah. call to action for you know <laughs> things that they're seeing um in a way that i do not mind because uh star trek has kind of never been subtle and i know i've you know talked about this before but every time every once so often i'm not gonna say that you know any show is immune from criticism or anything like that but sometimes you go online basically and you're, you kind of see people who are basically just like oh this is nothing like old star trek yeah and I'm just like well, yeah i agree it's what different is, yeah. it's you know yeah. it's evolved yeah. but also they're basically just like and star trek was never about like giving like over like political commentary i'm like really you <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, and I've heard people say things like, oh, now we're getting all woke on Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Have you, like, have you I don't know what that yeah, word even right. means anymore. <laughs> what does that word mean? What? I know, I, what... no, but I've heard, th I know, I've heard them, people complain about it using that word. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Well, these are the same people who think that art shouldn't have a point of view. You know, right, right. This these does are, have a point of view, and you know, as it always has. Oh, these now we're going to get into the what yeah. is art conversation. These are, these are, yeah, these are also the people whose point of view has no point. So, right, right. Well, this is, I mean, you know, like when people say woke, I really feel like, especially when they're, you know, comparing something that they grew up with or whatnot, it's basically just like, it's what they're admitting is like, oh, this stuff was already there. Just my skull wasn't hard enough yet to actually yeah. identify it. Um, that's the, and yeah, now that's they're doing the exact same about. thing. But right. now I grew into the kind of person who opposes this kind of stuff. So now I have to. Right. And I also have to, you know, pretend that the old days were better. Right. 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 Did you know that um, there's an episode of Next Generation where they're talking about, like, things that happened in the past that were pivotal? Um, and they talk about the troubles in Northern Ireland mm -hmm. as, like, a, a piece of civil strife. And then yes. in the they had to edit that out when they aired it in the U.K., did they really? Think, oh wow, I didn't know that. I think I think not even edited out. I think they were not allowed to show that episode because of that mm. line. Was that was that um an episode featuring um O'Brien or no? Or was it just uh, unrelated to No, I think that um it's an early season three episode where basically there's a there's a planet that is involved in basically there's a there's there's a terrorist faction. It's the terrorist episode helping. where, where oh, Crusher yeah. gets seduced by the handsome yeah. terrorist. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is not the episode where that, that vaguely Irish, um, no. <laughs> um, group of people, that, that, that lady who, like, about. ends up sleeping oh, with Riker and she's just <laughs> Irish <laughs> villagers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's that my was, that was so bad. bad. There was, like, seven clones on one planet, 
family yeah. of Irish people on another planet. <laughs> yeah. How are we going to fix this? They've got like yeah. sheep in the cargo bay and she's like, let me take yeah, off yeah. my caftan for you, Riker. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that episode though does have one of the best so bad it's good Riker pickup lines yeah. ever, which is when like the fiery, you know, redheaded yeah. Irish girl just looks at him leering and just says, haven't you ever seen a woman before? And he says, I thought I had. Yeah, that would work on me. It's terrible, but it's delivered so smoothly. You say it's terrible, but if Spock had said it, everyone would like be running circles with their hands, like on their cheeks, kind of. Ah, yeah, yeah. Very good. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read a little bit more. Yeah, let's move forward because I want to get to the yeah. Yeah, I'll read more of the episode. We can then we can we can break it all down. Finding local law enforcement unhelpful, Raffi hacks into a cop car's systems to pinpoint Rios' location, discovering he is being detained at an ice processing center. Um, As Seven commandeers the car to stage a rescue mission, uh, Gerardi reluctantly turns to the Queen to repair La Serena's transporter system to safely whisk the landing party back to the ship. Uh, Gerardi notes that their time linked together meant she realized how utterly alone the Queen is. And Gerardi agrees to interface with her again in exchange for the Borg's assistance. Uh, the repairs are made just in time for Gerardi to beam Raffi and Seven back to La Serena when they are pursued by the Los Angeles uh, Police Department for stealing the p- patrol car. Um, <laughs> um, and I'll, tr- I'll describe, I'm just going to power through for a little bit more. Um, after Picard explains his mission and background to Guinan, the Elorian admits she isn't the Watcher that he is searching for to restore the timeline and Guinan introduces Picard to an avatar serving the Watcher, with Guinan clearly in poor standing with the Watcher and forced to leave. Um, as she departs, Picard urges his friend to keep her faith in humanity's worth and capacity to change, and Picard is escorted by a set of Watcher's avatars with a being possessing a series of humans to keep him on his toes. Uh, Picard is led to the heart of a park to meet the Watcher, but instead he's greeted by a vision of his old Romulan friend Laris, who teleports him away to parts unknown. Um, yeah, well, someone who it, looks like Laris. Yeah, someone who yeah. looks like Laris. Yes, yeah. it's a, a human version. A human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and as Picard continues with his restorative mission, Q embarks on his own to tamper with the timeline, observing a young woman reading a novel, revealing he will act on her doubts to presumably change her destiny. Q finds that his omnipotent powers are beginning to fail him, which leads him to realize that his own time travel expedition unpredictably is going off the rails. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, interesting. You, you reached some Poor conclusions kid. that I don't think are necessarily totally warranted by the evidence we have in the show. Okay, what do you think? I think that you're reading into that previous scene, into that ending scene a lot. Or it's like, it's not clear. First of all, like we don't, we still don't entirely know what Q is up to. Sure, um, yeah. Yeah. So we don't know what his aims are with that snap that he may or may not. Fit. I think yeah. what is clear in that is that his powers are not working. Yes, yes. something is not working. Something yeah, is not working true. with Q, and that's mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. we could really mm-hmm. know for sure. Yeah. Something's not scene, working. That scene starts with a monologue where he's sort of taunting someone. We don't right. entirely know who's speaking to someone about how mm-hmm. they're, they've only played the game when the stakes have never mattered, but now that it's like timed actually... Uh, now that things actually count, he's, they're choking. And we don't know mm-hmm. if he's talking to someone or to himself. Also, For a second there, I thought he was reading what she was reading, uh, like through uh, her own eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't sure. You know, I, I, mean, I think it is. I think you're right. I think it is unclear. I'm reading from uh, uh, so, uh, a, um, a recap someone has written. So those aren't, uh, that wasn't my thought. I was just 
Mm. Which I believe you, so you I'm, say others' words, but you don't stand by them. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh no, I'm 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 happy to change an opinion. I'm I'm actually a li- I'm flexible, which is lovely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> someone online, someone online shared an Easter egg as well, which is that the um, book that she, the mysterious woman, is reading, the is a Dixon Hill novel. The yeah. Pallid Sun. Oh, it, it's which a just sounds like a, Hill it's a, it's a novel. Hill novel. It's, yeah. That's yeah. so like a, fun. It's a very wordy way of saying corpse. The Pallid yes. Sun? Is it yeah. S-O-N or also, S-U-N? S-O-N. S-O-N. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. also worth cool. saying that the the um, Amazon Prime like um, crew cast information reveals that that character he's watching is Rene Picard. An ancestor, oh. Jean-Luc, who is mentioned oh. in episode oh my one, gosh. Uh, in his speech, oh, I see. Oh. as someone, subtitles yeah. are just uh-huh. giving just stuff spoiler. away. Yeah. Yeah. Now the yeah. cast Left are right. doing spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Dang, yeah. man. Yeah. Damn, 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 damn. damn. In, in just speech, obsessed with that Picard um, family. Obsessed. Yeah, in his speech, Picard mentions that she was essential to exploration of the solar system in the 21st century. And they are also clear. He's like wearing a jacket that says Europa mission on it. And that is a real mission that's going to launch in two years and six months. I guess it might have been April. I love it. I love it. Is this this is unmanned or manned, this Europa mission? I don't know, but it's been delayed by six months, I guess, since they wrote the episode because it's now launching in October of 2024, not April. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. It's making me love it even more. I want to back up though because we. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about this scene on the on the bus with the guy the, with the boombox. Oh yeah! Uh, oh hell yeah! And Rackham yeah. and Seven Kirk Thatcher is his name. So his name was Kirk. That's funny. And Kurtz <laughs> or Kirk. Kirk. I think Kirk Thatcher is his name. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, it was like such a good scene, and it was just like the scene in the Voyage Home with Spock and Kirk. Yeah. And and then she's like, "Can you turn that music off?" And I just loved how he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I just." And he like, touches his neck because he sees yes. he remembers what happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. That's so fun. So good. And that song is I still hate you and right. I berate right. you. I was like, this is not like the best punk song I've ever heard, but it'll do. It's a... Uh... But it's oh, the same like, song. You're trying to judge the punk songs as like the best to worst. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. Fair. But it's but like you the know what I punk, Chris. <laughs> you know what I also like about that too is that like yes, it's an Easter egg and it's very in your face, but also like he's listening to his own punk song. That's basically like how you know in the past several decades nothing has gotten better only things have gotten worse basically you know like you know and and, <laughs> and all this stuff some of the same stuff that like you know that that, that Guinan talks about later in the episode you're just like it's an easter egg and it's on point i like that i like that yeah, yeah i do yeah, yeah and i'm happy that leah thompson directed it now and at thinking about this in, in retrospects like oh this is what made me think that this is somebody who loves you know this is a show that's very <laughs> important to her and was taking it very seriously i loved it do you, do you think they're yeah. setting up raffi and seven because there's that scene where after yes. after they they get the punk the punk guy to stop blasting music on a bus seven comforts raffi and they hold hands well, they held hands yeah. at the end of Picard season two, making it look like they were already kind of canoodling. So yeah, I, think, I, think I think they're trying uh, yeah. to pull them back together. Yeah, sure. they're putting them together again. <laughs> well, they've got that the dynamic of I'm going to yell at you in a high tense scene, yeah. which is going to culminate in us locking lips. Right. Yes. Which is they how every relationship couple, I've ever been yeah. in has gone. I, so I, uh, I, yeah. I, I know they have a dedicated uh, uh, shipper fan base, basically. Sure. On the, although I guess that's true of almost any character pairing. But like, but Raffi and Seven definitely do. Seven has 
been shipped with almost everybody on, yeah. <laughs> on Star Trek. But uh, yeah, they have this definitely intimate couple relationship more so than a best friend or close friend mm-hmm. relationship. Just in the way they they talk mm-hmm. to each other, it's more brutally honest. You know how you're just brutally honest with people that you're closer to? <laughs> yeah. it's, that's kind of how they are yeah. with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can never I, see I, that. I, I think like, you know, as we kind of like, you know, to talk about the end of this episode, whatnot, we're kind of caught up now at this point. I think yeah. I, I'm I'm really enjoying this season, probably up to, you know, this point in it, probably more so than I think any season of like Discovery. And I'm saying that as someone who likes Discovery. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to slam on Discovery and everything. But one of the things that and 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 lower decks uh, I love, but like I kind of love it primarily as like a Star Trek flavored joke machine more than anything else, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um and, and one thing that I really enjoy about this is that like for the first time, I feel like in a long while, I'm watching a Star Trek show and I'm going like, where are they going with this? I don't know where they're mm-hmm. going with this. Now they could completely yeah. shit the bed in the second half of the season. I don't know. You know, like that's entirely possible. But I'm really excited by like, they, they keep throwing stuff at us, you know, stuff that, you know, like there's just enough of a connection that you see that they, they, they got, it's got to tie together in some way. I'm just going like, I'm excited about this because I don't know where this is going. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I agree. And I think there's a lot of potential for um, things to be wrapped up in a, unexpected and exciting ways, yet peppered in with all the things we've been loving. I loved whatever square smoke box they disappeared in Picard and Laris look alike (laughs) what's fascinating to me I was like we've never Mm -hmm. seen uh you know a visual effect like that I thought that was kind of fascinating in its um uh newness I know we just it just we always see like a transporter but never just like this it was just really cool so I'm excited to see what they do you know what I also love too? I love new special effects, and I also love like when they don't go for a special effect, like when the 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 trail leading to like the Watcher or at least to Laris, basically. I love the idea of basically just like, okay, we're gonna possess a bunch of bunch of people one after the other after the other. How do we do that? White contact lenses, and they're acting funny. Like that's yeah. it. Go. Perfect. That's your special effect. I love it. Have that's you great. guys seen? I'm not. This is not homework, but have you guys seen uh, <laughs> Travelers? Uh, it's like a Canadian show, but it's on Netflix. There's like four or five seasons of it. It's pretty interesting. I, it is about time travel. Okay, yeah. I have not seen that show. So, and so, this so is they extra do extra credit to be. It's clear. a much this more brutal version credit. of time travel, though, because they they go come back and they yeah. inhabit other people's bodies who are then just gone, right? Yes. So they oh. they jump into the bodies of people who would have died. Right. So they they take them on. But the reason I bring it up is because an aspect of that show is that how that's how they get messages from the future is they inhabit children. And so they could just be walking around and then suddenly a child will come up to them and have this like robotic look and give them a message. <laughs> and and that's what it sort of reminded me of. Um, yeah, there's a lot of weird time travel yeah. paradox causality loops in that show as well. But yeah, extra credit if you want. If and starring um, Eric McCormack from Eric McCormack. TV's Will yeah. and Grace. From Will, Will, Will and Grace. Grace, yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. TV's Will and Grace. <laughs> TV's Will and Grace. <laughs> Can I tell you, so they, there's a new episode of, I know I talk about Drag Race a lot, but there was a new episode on this week. And one of the contestants, uh, Leslie Jordan was on as a judge, or as a, he was there for some reason. And one of the contestants said, oh, I my grandma loved Will and Grace. <laughs> oh, wow. So and I was like, oh, where is there a pier that I may walk off of? Oh, man. I'm over a life. Oh, man. <laughs> my grandma oh, man. loved Will and Grace. What the hell? Anyway. Yeah, 
I mean, it was 25 years ago, I guess. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, Never mind. There was the, the major I know, part Jay, of Jay was born yeah. as it was coming on the air. We all know. Yes, all know. he's got a vague memory of it. Yeah. Um, I, I there was the car, a car chase was a very big part of that episode, and I think yeah. the car chase was well done. I liked I it. I, I don't always love car chases, but I, I mean, think it was, you know, it had all of the, it had the drama, it had the comedy, it had the suspense, it had the everything if, going on. It felt it. like the season's version of in the Voyage Home when they get when they get chased through the hospital, basically. Oh, I love that. The, uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I say that as not a criticism, but more just like, yeah, you do that. That's awesome. Yeah, what's well, kind of like a, a drop this drop this sort of templated scene in um, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and we'll throw some Benny Hill music on top, and I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, t- tonally, I mean, tonally, I really liked it because until now, Rafi's kind of been out of control, and then Seven sort of like, yeah, think, yeah, think. Well, I think, think that's why they had more. her get so frustrated then, so that they, they would kind of switch. Well. Yeah, they kind of end exactly. It ends up <laughs> Rafi kind of accidentally ends up daring Seven to just start <laughs> driving a car to hijack out of just sheer spite. Yeah. Like, yeah, you think I can't do it? Yeah. Well, and she says one of my sure. favorite lines that comes in these kinds of things that we hear in so many different shows is like, "Can you create some sort of diversion?" <laughs> <laughs> I like to pretend that uh, Tom Paris taught her how to drive a car. Ah. Yeah. Just a little, so, just a little, um, that could you know, be. I like that. fiction uh, I backstory yeah. that I've uh, he would be, created. He would be the expert on uh, 20th century <laughs> everything. Um, I really like to, like, and in we, some ways, I, I really... guess, like, the... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Get Jake, sorry. No, 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 you go first. Uh, I, I really enjoy, like, I, I think, in a way, the Picard crew, because they're so kind of motley, I guess, you know, like, they're so, yeah. they're not 100% Starfleet, although Raffi just joined, whatnot. I, I really like the um, the kind of lack of discipline, I think, really lends itself well to a time travel story, because every Star Trek time travel story is basically going, is basically people going, um, you know, like, don't tamper with the timeline, and, like, you have a little bit of pushback here, where you're basically like, but it's fun, why do we yeah. have to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Seven's like Rafi. I thought you said no phasers, and she was like, "Well, uh, what? You didn't see this. Where'd this come from? What? <laughs> this? Oh no, I forgot. Yeah. Oh no." It's funny when you think about it. When you think about the butterfly thing, sure. butterfly effect, mm-hmm. whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Because there's really nothing you can do differently if that is the case. If you are time traveling, because everything well, you do has already been done, and so can you really? So it's and just it's, an interesting thought yeah. uh, problem. And going back to like Star Trek Four, where they were much, much even more willy nilly about it, giving the, mm-hmm. the you know mm-hmm. formula for transparent aluminum to the um, to the window pane guy. And one of my favorite scenes yeah. of all time, where where he's like, just use the mouse, and he's like, okay, <laughs> computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, computer. Uh, yeah, so good. And he types with only index fingers, and he's like, and it just it just yes, appears yes. on the screen. It's so the voyage good. home is so good. <laughs> he's just I'll, that good. He can write a formula in twelve te- key taps. Yeah. Jay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I do love how um, they establish like kind of general guidelines for how to not cause too big of a butterfly effect, and something like no hospitals where they might scan you, like no authorities, and then I forget the last one. I think it's like no detention, maybe. I don't remember. But then yeah. Rios ends up breaking all of them. Yeah. All of them. Yes. Yeah. Well, as soon yeah. as they yeah. say Single something one. like that, that's exactly what they're going to do. Well, it's like when someone <laughs> says that at the beginning of an improv show, and you're like, well, we're yeah. going to have to do all those well, things because someone mentioned that. them. <laughs> yeah. 
That's so funny. <laughs> well, any we're, we're, we're about to come into the end of our time. Any final thoughts and recommendations mm-hmm. on these two episodes? Any, any uh, things like that? I enjoy... Okay, sorry, Jay, you go. You go. I'm always jumping ahead. No, I was just going to say, this is the first season of New Trek that I've enjoyed. Um, I was kind of on the fence about them shifting from this sort of, like, cultural... I don't know, it is sort of like an exercise in, like, examining fictional cultures when you go back to the old Star Treks. Like, that's a lot of what drives especially Deep Space Nine, Parts of Next Generation, Voyager... But they've kind of and they kind of abandoned that, which I was, which is a big part of the re- reason I'm kind of biased against it. It's like that's what made you special. Why are you walking away from it? And <clears throat> it feels like they've finally. It's too poor. Yeah, yeah, I think you're breaking up there, yeah. Jay. Sorry, um, buddy. You have to repeat. Just, I think what you. I'll just say said. quickly. If. Yeah, go. Oh man. Well, so where did, where did I cut off? <laughs> Just that you said that the you know that the, the the cultural examination is something that they don't really do in the new shows, and that's why you you feel like you're kind of they're kind of running away from their strengths. Yeah, um, and they've kind of they tried to be more like fun and snappy and have more like upbeat action, and it's always felt off until this season of Picard, where I feel like they really nailed it. Yeah. 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 That's great. Good. Carrie, any any final thoughts or recommendations? Yeah, something that oh, my recommendations, all the homework that I get. If you want to yeah, just well, yeah, send, yeah. Me a, <laughs> send me a message. Okay, I have an Instagram account, Karen loves Star Trek. So just send me a message on that, and then if, and I'll give you your homework assignments, and we can discuss. Um, and that's how I know you've listened to this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Something that came to my mind as I watched these two episodes and then I rewatched these two episodes to talk about it is that Star Trek has always talked about this concept of when society collapsed and then after that we were able to move forward. So right. they've always spoken of this and referred back to it. All of the wars, the third world war, they're always talking about the third world war and mm-hmm. um and everything has to get so, so bad before it can get better. And I realized that whether that's true or not, it's just something that has sunk in with me after watching Star Trek for so long that I've started to believe that. So now I'm thinking to myself. I mean, for the real world. <laughs> for the real world. So that's so suddenly I'm like, well, things are going to get worse before they get better. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just something that I've internalized <laughs> now. So now I, and, and so, I don't know, something to think about. I, there's no like answer to it, but you know, <clears throat> does it. So Carrie's really... final thought, maybe World War Three is good and needed. Um, so great. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, especially where we are right now in the world. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, when we were talking about them going back to this time, it, it is pretty, people feel like it's pretty bad right now. Maybe um, maybe Putin yeah. maybe Putin watches Star Trek too. Yeah, maybe. He's just trying to make it happen. If he does, I guarantee he does not understand it. He's missing the point. He's only watching uh, the the uh, the big worry episodes. None of the uh, none of the. What we need, what we need is fusion. Fusion has to happen, and then we yeah. need to have um, warp uh, replicators. 
uh, for anything. Like that's that's it. Before we yeah. get to warp, we need to get yeah. to replicators. And then we really need Saurian brandy, of course. That would really yeah. solve yeah. a lot of problems. You yeah. make it sound so easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, as soon as we're so close, uh, uh, my cousin was talking to me about this last night. He said, "Mark my words." He said, "Mark my words." <laughs> we're gonna get fusion. And that's coming. And I'm like, is, okay, is your cousin great. a physicist of some kind or? <laughs> no, he's, a, he's a watcher and a listener. He's a oh, watcher. he's an Elorian. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so he's, a, so he's a vlogger. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a vlogger. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Hey, Michael Henley, um, do you have any final thoughts or, uh, or recommendations? Well, I'll say, Chris, I know you were joking just now, basically, when the, you know, if you were, you know, when, 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 Carrie was uh, talking. You basically just said, "Ah, oh, so the conclusion is World War Three, you know, might be a good thing." But that does remind me of seeing the past couple of weeks, seeing people on Twitter, like an alarming number. I guess because you know the number I'm comfortable with is zero, so an alarming number, basically going like, "Actually, World War Three wouldn't be that bad if you think oh, about geez. it." I'm just like. I don't think that, um, yeah. I don't know, I don't know, that that, that, that sounds yeah. like something I'd prefer not to test, but okay. Yeah. Um, it might be that mindset, though, of like, let's just yeah. blow everything up and start yeah. over again. Sure. Yeah. It feels like the opinion of people who have never been through a world war personally themselves before, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> not saying um, I have, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a coping. Yeah, yeah coping I feel like mechanism. it's a coping mechanism with how often we're told about doom in all these different ways. It's true. From like I mean, the big ones to even the small ones like killer wasps. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I've been doom scrolling for like the past six years, you know, like or eight years or whatever, basically. So now it just feels like, oh, this is just another flavor on, on top of it. Yeah. Sorry, this is like a really sad way to end the podcast. Um, what I will say as well, I know I just insulted Putin a minute ago. If if he pushes the button right after this podcast episode drops, I'm really sorry, everyone. Okay, that's, that's yeah. your final. <laughs> like that might if if if, if we we become on record as the thing that did it, I am really sorry. Okay. Well, I hope I don't think we will be because I don't <laughs> think our our I, though I did get a weird spam call from Russia today. That's not a lie, and I was like, oh, well, I'm not answering that. Yeah. Uh, mm. I don't think I don't think our our listenership has reached Russia. Hopefully, and I think we're, I think we're safe there. Um, I do have yeah, a recommendation. You know it. It's for a great article about how um, weaponized polar bears are coming from the north to murder us all. And really, it's just a real soothing uh, read. I'm kidding. That's not, that's not a thing. But it just seemed like in line with all the things we've been reading. Um, <laughs> but my final thought is I, I, I'm excited about this season. It's been a lot of fun to, to jump back in. And, and there's a playfulness to this season that I think is what we're, certainly what I'm enjoying more about it. And I'm, I'm excited to see how that continues to play out. Um, and bringing our, some of our favorite characters back together, you know? Good way to put um, it. Yeah. And on that note, uh, thank you for joining us today for the prime subjective. Um, I don't have a... Anybody have a song they'd like to sing? For, California for Dreamin'. Our... California Dreamin'. Oh. Okay. Go, please, all the please. leaves are all leaves are brown. Brown. And the sky And the sky is gray. And the sky and is Passed along the way. Well, 